Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. Hey, Marketing Bestie, welcome back to another episode of Marketing Hail Mash, where we dive deep into our favorite marketing hot takes. If you've worked in marketing long enough, there's bound to be one thing that has become a part of your marketing identity. You know, that one marketing hill you'd live and die by to run a successful campaign, or that one thing that people do that you know will absolutely be the death of your campaign. For Katie McBratney, the CMO of Bosa, don't think that just because something's not immediately attributable, it's not working. Let me give her the mic so she can drop it on all the doubters. Audio. It's what you are listening to right now, and you're not alone. Your audience is too. That's why marketers are upping their investment in audio. But how? Odyssey's latest state of audio walks us through planning tips and creative how-tos. Visit stateofaudio.com to learn more. People are people, not users. I will die on the hill that we need to talk with people instead of at them. And we need to talk to them as people who have a problem or an opportunity that we can solve. I will die on that hill. And I don't think that's surprising since I love organic and it's all about adding value to people's lives instead of extracting it. The other one is just because it's not directly attributable does not mean it didn't work. We often jump to the easy answer or if there's not immediately a number tied to it, the assumption is it didn't work. There's other ways to find out if something works. Sometimes you just got to like pop out of Google Analytics or pop out of whatever, like break out of our boxes. There's an answer. We just have to look for it sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I always say when I'm talking to people about building personal brand or like their own brand, you will start feeling it before you see it. Cause you'll see, start seeing people reach out to you, be on your podcast. And then people reach on you saying great content and all these stuff and all these stuff cannot ever be measured, but you'll know because you start feeling more and more people starting to reach out to know about you, ask about what you're doing. And those things aren't attributable to anything. It's just a feeling that starts happening. Like qualitative research is just as valuable as quantitative. Sometimes you got to work harder for it. And I also am a huge proponent. Like I exist at the intersection of like personal brands are bullshit yet long live the personal brand because I think they can be done really, really well. And then I think sometimes people turn themselves more into a product than a person. And that sucks the joy and the humanity out of why people want to work with a person. Um, so that's a whole nother, a uh, whole nother topic there, but it's, I love, I love your advice there too, right? It's so applicable. I think of personal brand, I just think the word has got convoluted, but I think personal brand more of a, you're a creator, you're creating something, creating value for the world and who you, you want to be known for. 
because for me, I started marketing ops, but I didn't get the opportunity to show that I was good at social and I love social. And the only way I could have done that is by creating online, showing that I could do it. And that created a persona that I'm actually good at it, where like, if I didn't do that for my brand, I would have just been known as the marketing ops guy. Cause if you looked at my resume, that's what it would have said. I'm all about how we're more than our resume. Like, I literally am building a business that's about that. But it's also so true when it comes to personal brands, right? It's like, just like company brands or product-based brands, it's about perception. And you're helping shape that perception, but you can't control it. Like Peloton wants everybody to feel like they're a part of, of a community. They can't force that. They can either do it well and people feel that, or they try it and people don't associate with that. And personal brands are the same. Like you can't make people think that you're good at social. You have to demonstrate that you're good at it and then build that from there. And I think for me, the problem with with personal branding is that is as it's risen as a movement, people think that you can hack it, that there's one specific formula to define your personal brand, to develop it. And you hit the nail on the head. It's being authentic to who you are and what you want to be known for. Social media isn't easy. There's a ton that goes behind the scenes to make one great post. Unfortunately, some brands overlook this. But Orange Theory's social media director, Anthony Yepes, doesn't. So let's see the number one thing he thinks brands need to start understanding. The one thing that really stands out that companies don't understand about social is that it's not easy. It's not as simple as you might think it is, right? I think from a personal perspective, it's easy, right? Because you can you can post whatever you want. It's your page. It's your profile. It's it's your life. When you're dealing with a brand or a company, you know you have a lot of different things that go through your mind as a social media professional. You know whether it's the type of language or the color, you know the branding, the person that's in the image or, or video, what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're dressed, how they're acting, what their body language looks like. Like, there's so many. There's a laundry list of things that you have to consider. So I think you know when you get that simple request, can you just put this up? Why can't you just put this up? Why is this so hard? Why is there always so much pushback? Why are you the department of no? And I think it's because of that misconception of well. Anything can go on social because I, when I scroll through my feed, I pretty much see everything under the sun. So why can't we do the same thing? So I think that's probably one of the most difficult things for companies to understand that it's really is a highly strategic marketing channel. It's not just a place where things go up when you need extra eyeballs. And I've always wrestled with that. Like, you know, when you kind of report back with, you know, with your performance and you're like, Hey, we had. X million impressions this month or this week or whatever. And like, oh my God, that's a big number. We need more eyeballs. So the next time when something is not performing well, let's say in a different area of marketing, you get that request on the social team. Hey, you guys get millions of views. Can you just put this thing up? And there's no consideration for, all right, well, we got to go down this laundry list of how does it look? What does it say? What kind of perception are we giving off? So on and so forth. So yeah, I would say that's definitely the biggest misunderstanding. Like there needs to be a plan and there needs to be collaboration and approval and alignment before something goes out on social. I love that point. I think as a person in versus a brand, there's a lot more people affected. 
with your decision. Whereas a person, an individual, you're the one affected. Yourself, you're infecting the perception of a company, the perception of what you stand for, your customers, every part. Audio, it's what you're listening to right now, and you're not alone. Your audience is too. That's why marketers are upping their investments in audio and seeing 1.5 times return on ad spend. But what should that investment look like? Odyssey, a leading audio entertainment company, has the answer in their latest state of audio. A practical playbook covering planning tips, creative how-tos, and innovative trends. Visit stateofaudio.com to learn more. The next marketing hill comes from my good friend JT Barnett. Founder of Barnett X, who's adamant that when it comes to TikTok, the audience has to care about the creator behind the content. Because if they don't, say goodbye to your strategy. Here's why. What everybody is trying to get when they're scrolling is they're trying to build a relationship with the person that's on the other side of that screen. So now as a company, it doesn't work as well when you're having a hundred different people that you're posting. If you think about on Instagram, the Instagram model that worked the best was build an ambassador program or influencer program that you're getting content from that you then post and you tag them. And because of a mix of the content looking nice, but it also having that person in it that is that has some sort of a status, it will build to your brand organically. On TikTok, that doesn't work because people are scrolling and they want immediate value within the content. So now you have to have somebody in the content that builds a reputation and a relationship with the audience. And that doesn't work if there's a hundred different people. So in my opinion, it works better to have a small rotating cast. That could be one person. That could be four people. That could be your entire team and have it be like a show like The Office. But it just needs to be the relationships need to be recurring. It needs to be something that when the person sees them, they go, oh, that's so-and-so from this company. And I know them because I've seen them before and I liked their video before. So therefore, I will watch this video now. So my entire thesis is just, I think that companies are going to realize that it's going to be more cost efficient and be more effective to bring somebody in internally rather than paying an agency to make 30 videos for them per month. I think you can spend $3,000 on hiring somebody a month to make 30 videos, three to $5,000 rather than having an agency where the agency is making it for 50 companies at a time and they can't go deep with your brand. So I just think for a lot of different ways, it'll be a better route for companies to bring a creator in that fully understands TikTok, becomes their TikTok creator, then becomes their personality. Like I said, Jake from State Farm, because then the audience goes, oh, that's Sarah from this company and I like her content. So I'll, I'll watch what she has to say about this video that I haven't seen before. For people who just want to check out someone who's doing this great, what are some brands that are using this cast model great or having someone that is repeated? Nerf does a great job. Sophie is their creator. She's been their creator for a while. Um, I think they do a fantastic job of having her. They do it with a single person. I think you can go and check out theirs and they and she does original content. She's not taking part in a ton of just trends. She's doing things that are original and that are on brand and that are valuable to their their customer base. So I think um, that's a good place to, to go and check out. 
Don't always trust customer surveys. Seriously, don't. Way too often, we fill them out with the responses we want people to hear, not with the actual truth of our behaviors. Nancy Harhat, the Chief Creative Officer at HBT Marketing, gives her marketing heel on why we're so disconnected from our actual motivations as consumers. Some people really think that, you know, they can do focus groups and they can ask customers, you know, for their feedback. And they really believe that they're getting the answer. And I think the hill that I would die on is this idea that people really can't always explain why they do what they do. That very often uh, what's driving our behavior is kind of unknown to us. You know, there are factors at play that we're not aware of. They influence our decisions. And when people talk to us about why we did what we did, we give them the answer that we honestly believe, but it may not be the full answer. We may not realize that because there was Coke and Pepsi side by side, we made a choice. You know, we might say, oh, I chose Coke because I like Coke. But had that Pepsi machine not been next to the Coke machine, we might have chosen nothing at all. You know, but we don't realize that about our behavior. It's kind of innate. It's hardwired. It's it's these decision defaults that we use just to conserve mental energy because it's impossible to weigh all these different decisions before making decisions. We never get around to making any of them. So we have these decision defaults. They're hardwired in us. They help us conserve mental energy. But as a result, we're kind of unaware of them. We're very unaware of them, actually. And uh, the net net for marketers is we can't accept everything that our customers and prospects say as, as the gospel truth because there are very often you know, other influences at play. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.